Well, amen. If you have your Bibles, let's just get right on into the message tonight. If you have your Bibles, 2 Samuel chapter 6 tonight. 2 Samuel chapter 6 tonight. Second Samuel chapter 6, that'll be our main text. We're going to look at pretty much that whole entire chapter, so keep your finger there. Put you a stick or something in there. And I want to preach on this topic tonight. What is wrong? What is wrong? At the beginning, you may not understand it, but you're going to get it here here for the night for, for the night's over. Amen. Lord willing. What is wrong? When we come to the book of 2 Samuel chapter 6, we find that David is already the king. And we see that David it, uh, was a man after God's own heart. Acts uh, 13, verse number 22, tells us that he was a man after God's own heart. And not only that, he fulfilled all of the, of the, of the will of God. It says it like this. And said, I found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. David, I encourage you. I really encourage you. Do you a study this year on the life of David? There are so many chapters devoted just to the life of David. And tomorrow night, Lord willing, if it's still the same, uh, we'll pray in the morning and see what we should do. But Lord willing, we're going to talk about David. We're going to preach about David tomorrow night. When a saint acts like a savage, David was a man after God's own heart, but he did several things that were completely sinful. Let's just say it like that. He did that. Very sinful. But tonight what we look at is with David is we see one of the aspects that made him a man after God's own heart. We see that David becomes the king and uh, he begins to, to rule and to reign and he takes over after running for his life for about 14 years from Saul, who was the king. And Saul was one of the most prideful, ungodly men that's found within the scripture. Uh, and David ran for his life. And finally, he, he got the throne when Saul uh, killed himself and, and so forth. And David in Acts, I mean, in Second uh, Samuel chapter 6, he's wanting to bring the ark of God back to Jerusalem, back to the city of David. And this was served for him as a, as a, as a uh, capital, if you would, a place of worship, a place of military power. And David knew that for him to be a successful king, listen now, for him to be a successful king, he had to have the presence of God. Amen. He had to have the presence of God. And he knew that the ark of God, the ark of God was the representation of, of the presence of God. Amen. Ooh, I could go off on something else right now because we know we are the ark of God. Amen. The presence of God lives right in here. Amen. Hey, it, we are the tabernacle and the ark of God right inside right here. Amen. We don't have to tote it around. We're carrying it with us. Amen. But back then it was different. And David said, I want the ark to come and I want it to come to my house and I want it to be in Jerusalem in the city of David and he says I'm going to go do this so 2nd Samuel 6 verse 1 again David gathered together all the chosen men of Israel 30,000 David rose and went 
with all the people that were with him from Baal of Judah to bring up from thence the ark of God whose name is called by the name of the Lord of hosts that dwell between the cherubims. And there's proves my point. He dwelled between the cherubims. The ark of God had two cherubims looking down on it. Sorry about that. Verse 3. And they set the ark of God upon a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab and was in Gabeah. And Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, drove the new cart. What do we see about this? That is wrong. Do y'all see anything that is wrong about this? We see that they came and they threw the presence of God on a cart. You ain't, God did not plan for that. God did not want that. Amen. Point number one this morning or this evening or whichever time of day we're in. Amen. They came casually and half-hearted. You know what's wrong? They came casually and half-hearted to handle the presence of God. They came with just a halfway, half, half-hearted, casual mindset to handle the presence of God Almighty. They came in just halfway, going through the motions, and because of their half-heartedness and their lack of true worship, it led to them to disobedience. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says that the Levites were to carry the ark of God. But instead, you know what they did? Out of good intentions. Are you hearing me tonight? Out of good intentions. Out of, <laughs> out of just thinking that it was okay and casual Christianity, if you would. They said, we're going to put this thing on a, ark, on a, on a cart and we're going to carry it on over to, to Jerusalem. And you know what? God wasn't going to have none of that, amen. Casual Christianity and casually living for God, it, it has killed us. It has destroyed us. Amen. Listen, when you come to the house of God, you should come to the house of God with a full expectation to do the work of God. Amen. To worship God. Amen. Hey, doing things half-hearted will always lead to disobedience as we will see here. How do you know, Brother Lucas, that they went half-hearted? Because we're about to see uh, in verse number 9 that David was afraid of God that day. Meaning that the first time they went to take it, he was not afraid. He had no fear of God. And he just went down there and said, I believe it's a good idea if we carry this, just get this thing over to Jerusalem. And out of good intentions, somebody got killed over the situation. Hey, you say you're going to be on this praise team? You quit doing it half-hearted, amen. You come up here, you're going to play a guitar, you play it for the glory of God. Amen. You're going to sing, you sing for the glory of God. Know them songs, know your part. Give it all you got, amen. You a deacon in this church, quit doing that mess half-heartedly. Be a man that is called, I guarantee you, when you was a deacon and ordained, they probably brought you right here, laid hands on you, and ordained you to be a servant to this church, amen. And they ordained you to serve this body of believers. But instead, you're missing services. You don't want to visit. You don't want to help the pastor. And in fact, every time there's a meeting, you're the one stirring the problem. Amen. Why? Because you're half-hearted in your walk with... Listen, if you're going to do it half-hearted, lift up your hand and surrender tonight and say, I need to back up and get myself right before I go on forward with this. Amen. Sunday school teacher, study your lesson. Put some time into it. Quit doing it half-hearted, amen. 
It is killing our country. It is killing Oak Grove. Amen. Living half-hearted for God. Everything we do, if you're on a committee, on a board, whatever, do it all for the glory of God. Amen. David went down there with 30,000 of them. All of them was half-hearted. Not a man amongst them said, that ain't how you're supposed to do it. Not a man amongst them said, hey, I once read in the Bible, you ain't supposed to carry that thing. They were all simple as the book of Proverbs and naive and they just went down and they just half-heartedly grabbed the presence of God, throwed it on a cart, and listen to this, somebody had to build that cart. Somebody probably paid for it. They probably had a committee meeting uh, for about six months and a business meeting and they got that thing together, amen. What a complete waste of time. Amen. What a complete waste of time. And still somebody died over that fact. Why don't we just recognize what is the problem and get right with God and quit being half-hearted about living for God. Amen. Every time I go to Ogro football game, I don't see a football player, much less a fan, that is half-hearted about supporting them men, them boys. Amen. I went to that playoff game. I was freezing my rear end off, but I wanted to go because I ain't been all year. I wanted to go, and I went up there, and I said, man, this place is packed out. It's drizzling rain. It's about 50 degrees, 45 out here, and look at all these people. Nobody's back is hurting. Nobody's complaining about temperature. Nobody's caring about how long this lasts. If it goes into five overtime, everybody would have stayed. Amen. But when it comes to the house of God, oh, it's hot in here. Oh, it's cold in here. Hey, this ain't your house. Amen. Amen. Oh, I'm tired of this. Well, just go home then. Amen. That's what I say. That's what I was sick of when I was a pastor. Just go home then. Amen. Tired of hearing your belly aching because you're a half-hearted living for God. I don't care if it's hot, cold, windy, or whatever. I'm coming to the house of God for one purpose, not for you, not for me. I'm coming because I want to worship the one who died for me and saved me. Amen. What they did was they went half-heartedly to handle the presence of God. You can't handle the presence of God half-heartedly and live. Look what happens. Let's keep reading in verse 3. Let's start there. And they set the ark of God upon a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab that was in Gabeah and Uzzah and Ohio. The sons of Abinadab drove the new cart. These two boys said, we'll drive that cart. We'll drive it. Verse 4. The Bible says, And they brought it out of the house of, of Abinadab, which was at Gabeah, accompanying the ark of God, and went Ohio before the ark. And David and all the house of Israel played before the, the Lord on all manner of instruments made of fir wood, even of harps and posturies and timbrance and, and all coordinates and symbols. And when they came to Nacon's threshing floor, Uzzah put forth his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it for the oxen. They shook it. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah. And God smote him there for this for this error. And there he died by the ark of God. Whew. The presence of God. Wow. If you play with it, it's going to kill you. You hear me tonight? You quit playing with the presence of God and the things of God. Uzzah, just, I, I picture Uzzah as a, just a good old boy. I'll drive the cart for y'all. And they got there, hitting them. And it was going, and it just shook a little bit. And he said, oh, we don't want that to fall. And the whole time they were driving the ark, God, I guarantee you, was looking down saying, I can't believe they're doing that. 
And finally, when he put his hand forth just to stable it, God said, you know what? I'm going to kill that juggle just for that. Because when you play with the presence of God, it will kill you. Quit playing with the presence of God. Notice, why did they, let, let me say this, why do you think they put it on a car? Just why would you think that he that they put it on the car? I believe personally that the reason they put it on the car was because they seen somebody else do it. First Samuel chapter six, verse number seven. First Samuel chapter six, verse number seven. Y'all remember the Philistines took the ark of God. It was Eli and his sons were messing up real bad and God showed judgment. The Philistines came and they died and Eli fell off and broke his neck and they took the ark of God. The Philistines put the ark of God next to their god, Dagon. What did he do? He fell down and bowed, amen. And they propped him up because idols always got to be propped up, you know, and always got to be supported and that's a whole nother message. And you know what happened? They got tired of this because the judgment of God was so upon them. The Bible says that they got tumors in their secret parts. You look it up, they had hemorrhoids is what they had. Just telling you the scripture, and I'm not meaning anything about that tonight if you have those, but anyhow. And you know what they did? They said, we got to return this thing back. We got to get it back to the children of Israel. We don't want this thing. We don't want the presence of God no more. And you know what they did? Chapter 6, verse 7 of 1 Samuel. Now therefore make a new cart and take two milk cows on which there have become no yoke. Tie the king to the cart and bring their calves home from them. You know what they said? We're going to make a new cart. And you know what the children of Israel did? The children of Israel, they took a good hard look at the world and they said, that's how you do it. You know what we do sometimes with the presence of God? We look at the world and we say, that must be how you do it. And we practice it inside the house of God. We should never follow the world. The world should be influenced by us. But in this day and day of 2024, the world has influenced the church by so very much. Amen. They put the card up because they seen the world do it. Our relationship with God and how we live for God should be based out of the Word of God, amen? Not by what we see on this world, praise God. They put it on there, and because they came casually and half-hearted, that led them to point number two that I have, being half-hearted would lead you to disobedience. Disobedience. They carried it on a cart, and a man died. A man died, stuck his hand out out of good intentions. Just good intentions. And God killed him right there. The judgment of God was right there upon him. Because see, being half-hearted will always lead to disobedience. Amen? And I'm telling you tonight, let us not be half-hearted with the things of God. If you've been half-hearted and casually walking with God, get on your face, get your nose on this altar, so to speak, and repent of your sin and ask God to help you live right with Him. Amen? Now look what David does. Look what David does. Verse 8. After us is dead, verse 8 says, And David was displeased because the Lord had made a breach upon Uzzah. And he called the name of that place Rezah Uzzah to this day. And David was afraid of the Lord that day and said, How shall the ark of the Lord come to me? David, what he did was, he pretty much said, Wow, I've seen this before. We're talking about the David that killed Goliath. Amen. We're talking about the David that was saved from the hand of Saul. 
We're talking about the David that was chosen out of all his brethren. We're talking about David. And he, said, and, he, and he says, I'm afraid. How can I get the ark to me? You know what he does? Verse number 10. So David would not remove the ark of the Lord unto him unto the city of David. But David carried it aside unto the house of Oban Eden the Gittite. You know what David did? If I may, David sat down and he said, Man, how am I going to get this to Jerusalem? If we touch it, we die. He said, I'm just not understanding. He said, I tell you what, park this thing at Obed Eden's house. And that's what they did. They said, Obed Eden, you keep this thing. You keep it. And David, what makes him a man after God's own heart is what we find in this story, that whenever he, he, he uh, kept it at Obed Eden's house, he went back home and he found out and sought God of the reason. You know what David did right here? It says he would not remove it, but he kept it at Obed-Eden's house. You know what David asked? He said, what is the problem? Why can I not get the ark of God, the presence of God? He asked a very legitimate and serious question. Tonight, we need to ask ourselves on a personal level, what is wrong with my life? Amen? Why am I still falling in this sin, in this rut, and in this bondage? Why am I still doing this? I was delivered from this when I was born again, but I'm still acting this way. I'm still living like this. you got to ask yourself this question. What is wrong? What is wrong? we got to ask ourselves as a church, what is wrong with our church? I ask myself, oh, how many times my pastor Goodwill that people in our community addicted to drugs, people getting divorced, kids don't know who their mom and their daddies are, and I was sitting off and say, God, what can we do to reach these people? we got to ask ourselves, what is wrong with our church when we come to the house of God to worship the living God, but He ain't here. Amen. He ain't with us. There's no conviction. There's no power. There's no authority. We sing songs about him, but we don't know him. We preach, but there's no conviction. we got to ask ourselves this question. What is wrong? Because whether you know it or not, old folks, I'm just going to tell you, whether you know it or not, my generation and below are saying, if God is so powerful, then I let me see the change in your life. Amen. My generation is saying, when we go to church, we want to experience this God. Some generations are satisfied with a couple of songs and a sweet little sermonette and y'all just go out and be done with it. I want to tell you something. we got to ask ourselves, what is wrong? I want to go to church where we meet with God, amen. If that means we stay two, three, four hours, we stay two, three, four hours, amen. If that means we got to pray the night through, we pray the night through. I want God, amen. Not everybody does. But we got to ask ourselves, why is it that baptistry is not full all the time? If anything is less than every day, according to the scripture, it's a failure, amen. We can go months, months, and months and never see nobody converted, never see a wet eye at the altar crying out for somebody, never see conviction of sin, amen, amen. We can go months without it. no concern with lost people, no concern with the moving and the power of God in our churches, and just, yeah, everything's fine, but I hate this president. Listen, I tell you why we got the president we got is simply because of how we act in this country, amen. If we would learn to meet God at the altar and repent of our sin and get afresh and anew with his power, we would live different and the glory of God could shine in this country, amen. 
It's on us, church. No change is going to come to this nation or this community until the people of God fall upon their faces, first of all, in repentance and, and, and contrite heart, seeking the face of Almighty God. You know what David did? David said, what is wrong? How can I get this? How can I get the presence of God? You know what most of us would have done? We would have said, yeah, I don't know what to do with that, so, yeah, obey more power to you, son. Just don't touch it. Wouldn't we? We would have went on and lived in our lives without the presence of God. I don't know about you. I try not to make any decision apart from the presence of God. Amen. The presence of God. Notice what David did. It says here, let's read verse 11. And the ark of the Lord continued in the house of Obed-Eden, the Gittite, three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Eden and all his household. <laughs> Amen. You know what the presence of God will do for you? It will bless you. Amen. Oh, it'll make you rich? No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying it'll bless you health-wise. It'll bless your children. It says all his household. It'll help you stay, stay right with him. There is better to live in the house of God, better to live with the presence of God than any other thing. Amen. Obey-Eden, I did a study on him. And I'll just chase this rabbit briefly. Obey-Eden, when they come and got it, he followed it. And wherever it went, he he fought, he become a servant to the priest. If you study your Bible, he followed it. Why? Because in that three months, he tasted of the presence of God, and he didn't want to leave it. If it went over here, he followed. Went over. He followed it everywhere it went. I don't know about you, but when I taste the presence of God, it's like nothing else I've ever tasted in my life, and I want more of it. Amen. I want all of the presence of God. Amen. Obey Eden. He was getting blessed. David was in Jerusalem wondering, man, how can house. Look at verse 12. And it was told King David saying, the Lord has blessed the house of Obed and Eden. In other words, some people walked by Obed and Eden's house and said, that man is blessed. In three months, that man is blessed. You know what I think? Notice what I said. What I think that they seen at Obed and Eden's house? I think they seen that he was happy. He was joyful. Him and his wife got along with each other. <clears throat> Amen? Amen? I believe his crops were blessed. I believe everything in that three months that he touched, it just prospered. Not because of him. Not because he was a good, good boy. No, because of the presence of God. Amen? We need the presence of God. Amen? I want to tell you something about church. Church life. Oh, a problem can start like that. Amen? A phone call. Did you hear what he said? No, I'll ask if they heard the same. That's how a problem can start. Next thing you know, you got a fire on your hands. You go back in the church on Sunday and you go, oh, I didn't even know this was going on. You know what will solve some of those problems? You know what will solve that bickering? You know what will solve that money problem? You know what will solve some of those issues? By simply having the presence of God, amen. The presence of God brings calm and peace and joy. And the presence of God just works out problems. And the presence of God will convict you to shut your mouth and quit stirring problems. Amen. Amen, Brother Lucas goes there. Notice what they did. They said, Obed, Eden's being blessed. Verse 12, and it was told King David, saying, The Lord hath blessed the house of Obed, Eden, and all that pertained unto him. Because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Oban Eden unto the city of David with gladness. David said, mm, I got to go get that thing. He said, I got to go get it. Look how they get it. 
Verse 13. And it was so that when they that bear the ark of the Lord, whoa, whoa. Well, let me read that again. Maybe I missed it. And it was so that when they that bear the ark of the Lord. Wait a minute now. Wait a minute, look at verse 3. Let's see what they did the first time. Verse 3 says, And they set the ark of God upon a new car. Now it says in verse number 13, let me translate it for you, they toted it. Amen? What happened? What happened? What, what made them throw it up on a car? And what made them now begin to tote it? I'm going to tell you what made them. Look with me in 1 Chronicles. 1 Chronicles chapter 15, and you'll find the answer. Keep your finger in 2 Samuel 6. 2 Samuel 6, but look in 1 Chronicles 15. Let's start in verses 1 through 3. You see, when they left it at Obed and Eden's house, David went back home and he sought God on what to do. 1 Chronicles 15. And David made him houses in the city of David and prepared a place for the ark of God and pinched for it a tent. You know what David did? The first time he went to go get it, he didn't have a place prepared for the presence of God. He went back and said, this is a serious deal. I'm going to get myself right and I'm going to prepare a place. Amen? He took it serious. He was not half-hearted no more. Notice what it says. Then David said, none ought to carry the ark of God but the Levites. You know what David did? He sat down and said, man, how am I going to get this thing to me? Obed, keep it for me. He went back home and he got into the Word of God and he said, aha, we did it wrong. What made him a man after God's own heart? He was quick to repent. He was always seeking what was right and he did what was right, amen. Us, we will not confess when we've done wrong. We will not repent. And if we can't figure it out, we'll read somebody else's commentary, amen. Amen. And we are like the book of Proverbs. We are simple and naive and we will not follow the truth. David, he went home and he said, boys, we're going to take it, but only people that are to carry it is the Levites. Look what he said. For them that have the, uh, for them hath the Lord chosen to carry the ark of God and to minister unto him forever. And David, verse 3, gathered all Israel together to Jerusalem to bring up the ark of the Lord unto his place which he had prepared for it. He said, we're going to do it the second time, but we're going to do it right now. Look what happens. Let's just skip on down to verse number 11. Verse 11. Oh, 12. 12, sorry. And he said unto them, talking about the Levites, all of them, you, you can go back and try to pronounce those names. Verse 12. And he said unto them, All ye, uh, ye are the chief of the fathers of the Levites. Sanctify yourselves. Oh, now we're going to get ourselves right and, get, and be serious with this. But ye and your brethren that ye may bring up the ark of the Lord of Israel into the place that I have prepared for it. Look at verse 13. He said, For because ye did not at the first. <laughs> hey man, I don't know if y'all getting this tonight. Y'all get my point. First time they were half-hearted, David went home and sought the face of God, got the answer, and he said, Boys, the first time we didn't do it right. And then he says in verse 13, The Lord our God made a breach upon us, for that we sought him not after the due order. You know what he did? He said, we're going to go back and we're going to do it right. What is the problem? And what is the answer? Let me tell you the very deep theological answer. The answer to our problem is 
back on the altar with prayer, personal walk with God, and get into the Scripture and know the truth. Amen. Good intentions led somebody to be dead. And David said, Uzzah died because we halfway did it. We halfway did it. And you know what he said? He said, they died because of that. Look at 2 Samuel chapter 6. Look how they bring it up now. Now that they have repented and now they have got it right. Let me say this. Even the Levites didn't even know that they were supposed to carry it. The men of God. The men of God didn't even know the Word of God. <sighs> the men of God, the Levites should have said the first time, David, we the only one supposed to tote that. Step back. Even the men of God, oh, that God would give us men that bury themselves in the Word of God, that bury themselves in prayer, that give themselves to the Word of God so that they can stand up behind this desk and feed the flock of God. Amen. That we would give. No, I'm telling you, your pastor, I don't know his schedule or what he goes through. I don't know nothing. All I know is this that if you're calling him every single day about every single toenail and chap lips on your on your hey, listen, he needs to be a man in the word. Amen. He needs to be a man given to prayer. Amen. When I pastored, I would take that phone, I'd put it on silent, upside down, in the corner from 7 o'clock to noon at least, so I can give myself to study and prayer. If you call me, I'll call you when I'm done meeting with the Lord. Amen. Why? Because standing here, standing here with a message from God's Word is more important than me anointing your gallbladder and praying something over you. Amen. It is more important that He have a Word from God because it is the Word of God that will change the hearts of people. Amen. But we got men all over this country. They are a good pastor, but they cannot take the word of God and feed the flock of God. Hence, we have people starving for the things of God. Amen. Let your pastor study. Let your pastor get deep into the word of God. These Levites should have told David, David, you're wrong. They didn't. They didn't, did they? Look how they bring it up now. Verse 13, 2 Samuel 6. Look how they bring it up. And it was so that when they that bear the ark of the Lord had gone six paces, he sacrificed oxen and fatlings. <laughs> they didn't do that the first time, did they? Walking with God sometimes is a sacrifice, ain't it? Oh, it, it is. I'll tell you that. Verse 14. And David danced before the Lord with all of his might. He didn't do that the first time, did he? Seems like to me, David got him a good dose of the fear of God, got the truth. And I want to tell you something. If you have the fear of God and the truth of His Word, you can dance before God in joyfulness and happiness. Amen. Knowing that you are right. Hey, I woke up this morning. I said, thank you that I am forgiven. I have peace in my heart that I am forgiven of my sin. I have peace in my heart that you have called me into the ministry. I don't understand it, but I'm so thankful for it. Amen. David now, he says, boys, take up the ark. And when they took him six steps, sacrifice. Thank you, Jesus. We worship you. And then David danced and he worshiped and he gave everything to the Lord. Amen. Notice what it says. And David was girded with a linen, uh, linen ephod. And so David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting. Woo! Woo! They wasn't Baptist, was they? Amen. They brought it up with shouting. Why do you shout? 
because you are happy. Amen. The presence of God will make you happy. The presence of God will glow and make you joyful. Amen. I don't know about you, before I was saved and I didn't have the presence of God, I was angry and I was mad. I was not happy. I'm happy now, amen. They brought it up with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. And you know what happened? From the first time to the second time, there was a difference. Church, what all I'm saying is this tonight. What is the problem in your life that could not be solved by first of all tonight flooding the altar and saying, God, help me with Whatever you're dealing with. Whatever you're dealing with. For the last five months now, I can't remember exactly when it was, but I preached a message at Goodwill, the, uh, the hindrances of the flow of the Spirit of God in your life. Hindrances to the flow of the Spirit of God. And one of them was how we speak. How we slander and backbite. and You know, last five months I've been so convicted that that's what I've been doing. I have not done my best to learn from that. I ask myself, Father, what is the problem? The Father will say, whatever it is, I'm just telling you what, I'm just being open with you. The Father will say, that's the problem. And if you're serious to fix it, He'll show you the answer. Tonight for your church, deacon, pastor, you, whoever you are tonight, worship, lead, hey, if you're half-heartedly doing it, I, I beg you, flood the altar and say, God, forgive me and renew that joy and renew that, that power within me. Amen. Forgive me, Lord. You know what's going to happen when you do things God's way? See, the first time, nobody, nobody looked down on it. But the second time, somebody very close to David looked down. Y'all know the story, verse 16. And as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael, Saul's daughter, looked through a window, saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. <laughs> out of all the people you would thought would be with you, she looks out there and she goes, hmm. Notice it says Saul's daughter. It doesn't say David's wife. Amen. David goes home, verse 17, and they that brought the ark of the Lord uh, and set it in his place. There's a right place for the presence of God. And that's right in the middle of your life and in your home. And in the midst of the tabernacle. And David had pitched for it. And David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. He even kept on worshiping after it showed up. And as soon as David had made an end of offering and burnt offerings and peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts. And he dealt among all the people, even among the whole multitude of Israel, as well as to the women and men, to everyone a cake of bread and a good piece of flesh and a flagon of wine. So, so all the people departed, everyone to his house. You know what the presence of God will do for you? It'll make you give, amen. You show me a church that does not have the presence of God, and I will show you a church that will argue and bicker over what size screws to put in the youth room, amen. I will show you a church that will say, well, I don't know if we got enough money to send all them kids to camp. Praise God, you got all those kids to send to camp, amen. Hey, your budget should include missions, number one. Number two, BBS, number three. It should include youth and children's ministry, amen. Listen, when the presence of God came with David, he just gave freely, amen. Oh, praise God. Ain't nobody going to say amen on that, are you? But it's the truth. It is the truth. If you're sitting hoarding up God's money, God ain't going to give you no more because He knows you'll put it in a bank account and let a CD grow it. If you will give it, God will grow it for you. Woo! Amen. Glory be to God. David went home. This is what he did. 
David returned to bless his household. David comes home like most men, he says, or like some men, and he says, I'm going to bless my house. I'm just so full of God, just so drunk on the Spirit of God, I'm just going to bless my house. And did he not get an awakening? Oh, yeah. And Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, "How how glorious was the king of Israel today who uncovered himself today in the eyes of maidens of his servants as one of the uh, uh, vain fellows, shameless uncovereth himself. (laughs) Praise God, I do not have to deal with a woman like that. I'm telling you the truth. I do not, and never, never, and and this year will be 11 years of marriage to you. never, never, I said never, did I have to deal with what God was leading me to do and she rebuking me or telling me smart-alically or ungodly? Listen, she always says to me, if God's leading you that way, I will follow you. Sometimes she says, would you give me a couple days to pray? If you have a woman like that, you say, yes. Amen? Saul's daughter, not uh, David's wife, said, Oh, look at you little cute thing dancing out in front of everybody like that. And you know what David did? Some of you men can take you a lesson right here. Y'all ready to get you a lesson? Look at here, verse 21. David said unto Michael, It was before the Lord which chose me before thy father, and before all this house to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord over Israel. Therefore will I play before the Lord, and I will, I will yet be more vile than this. Honey, you ain't seen nothing yet. And will be base in my own eyes and of the main servant which thou hast spoken of, of them shall I be had in honor. Therefore Michael, the daughter of Saul, had no child unto the day of her death. What is the problem in your life and in your church that getting on the altar cannot solve tonight? 